Sons of Anarchy makes a basic cable splash, the most hype video game of all time makes its long-awaited debut, and the anxiously awaited follow-up to Rugrats is finally here. This week on 30-20-10. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 30-20-10. We call it the Unis Pop Culture Time Machine, where we look back 30, 20, and 10 years ago into the past of mostly pop cultures, movies, TV, news, video games, music, all that great stuff that defined our lives. Uh, we'll be looking at the week of August 31st through September 6th, 1988, 1998, and 2008. I gotta ask, where were you guys? We're gonna tell you where we were. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with us? 1919 World Series champion, Diana Goodman. <laughs> it's me, Sarah, and I got your books right here. And oh boy, I, I could not be more excited for this week, because while the movies have turned to garbage, mm-hmm. there's actually television worth talking about. And if I may tease 80s, 90s kids, do the Marios! Oh yes, it's time to do that. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm going to say about that for now. But at least, unlike the last couple weeks, television gets a lot more fun to talk about. So stick around, people. Anyway, beginning like we always do in 1988, we're talking about the week of August 31st through September 6th. All the stuff that came out there. And we got a little bit of news to wade you into the process. Uh, <laughs> if you remember yeah. the Challenger disaster that we did in our first year of 302010, this was a close second. I remember this being all over the news. Uh, the German air show disaster that left 75 people dead and uh, 300 injured. Oh, Lord. Okay. I mean, I know people go to air shows to see them blow up just like they go to NASCAR, but oh my God. God, if you, that's crazy. You've seen this footage, whether you know it or not, it's included in like a lot of like, I don't know, like shitty music videos. Even mm. though it's a little insensitive, mm-hmm. but it's this Italian flight of ships that broke off and went to the right and left while one flew center. And the idea was that the like the four planes on the right and left would graze one another uh, in the middle while mm-hmm. the, the solo plane would fly in from the side and they'd barely touch one another. Uh-huh. That did not happen. Oh, God. They collided. Basically, it, it was a great way for nine planes to collide in midair. And the way the single plane was going, its wreckage flew directly into the audience. Mm. So it like you could... The, there is... Ample bad footage of this. It's mm-hmm. one of those disasters. It's a pre-iPhone world, but a very home video mm-hmm. camcorder-centric world. So there is a ton of different shots of this. Uh, I have no great audio. No one's crying, oh, the humanity, because I don't understand German. Uh, but it's one of the worst air, air show disasters in history, if you remember that. I think about that all the time because my hometown is home to the Blue Angels. So there's oh, yes. like huge air shows <laughs> every year and the beach is just like wall-to-wall people. And I haven't been to one in a couple of years, partially because, I don't know, that would really ruin a day yeah, to and, have and to living, see that and to fall into the oh ocean. Living yes. in San Francisco, I'll just say I had a house on the top, uh, an apartment on the top floor. You don't need to be attending an air show disaster. Mm-hmm. to be a part of one because mm-hmm. oh, like God, I no. basically got to see what I would call the Blue Angels turn. I was seven miles away from the location, but I, as they would skid past the field of view, they would like turn over my house yeah. seven miles later at the, at the speed of sound. It's just, it's a, it's very, it's very loud. Quite astounding. Yeah, very astounding. But that's why we don't have air shows anymore. Just kidding. We do it all the time. Uh, any yep. other news that I, that I missed, Diana? I don't know. 
Nope, not that I know of. Uh, I know Election 88's going strong. That's right, that's right. Uh, and Ooh, multiple elections in numerous segments. Uh, so let's just jump into the movies of 1988. Once again, we are talking about August 31st through September 6th. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Dream Warriors is still number one. Suck it, hardcore Nightmare fans who call that one of the worst ones. I love it. Uh, you can hear about that two episodes ago. But we have some new movies that I definitely saw. Um, Eight Men Out. Di, did you see this one? I did. Mm -hmm. I watched this because uh, I like me some John Sayles. He is an interesting filmmaker who makes pretty interesting movies. Uh, Usually there's a little bit of class differences going on in there, which is really underlined in this. This is the story of the 1919 World Series Black Sox scandal. Black Sox scandal. Where the the Chicago White Sox were totally going to win the World Series and they were being paid for crap by nice Mr. Kaminsky home of Kamin- their namesake of Kaminsky Park and um they elected to get together and uh, some of them through the series throw the series for a payoff from some gambling organization and it's uh yeah well that's part of what i found interesting about it. is like i just always heard oh you know Rothstein was behind it and if you remember like the first season of boardwalk empire it becomes mm-hmm. a whole thing they make it I'm guessing is how it really went, where it was more complicated, where Christopher Lloyd and the guy that steals Ferris Bueller's car, (laughs) um, they come up with this plan and take it to Arnold Rothstein, who's a big gambler, and he says, no thanks, actually I'll do that anyway. And then there's like this other middleman that gets involved, and so it's like multiple people are fixing it, but they're also like double-crossing each other, Yeah. where it's like, I'm going to take the money that you're supposed to like give to the players so that they'll throw the series, but instead... I'm just going to tell them, okay, throw the series, bet the money, and then I'll pay them. Because who can they call? The cops? Like, a bunch of people say that. Who can they call? The cops? Because you're all being corrupt bastards. And uh, the movie has quite a cast. John Cusack, Charlie Sheen, David Stratham, John Mahoney, Clifton James, D.B. Sweeney, and the greatest name of the entire show, Studs Terkel. Yeah, what is Studs (laughs) Terkel? I don't know. He He was a sports writer. Okay, yeah, oh, no, he's... I know him as a writer. I did not Really? He sounds know like a him. children's show host. No, he was famous for doing, um, he's a writer, sports writer, but then also did a lot of um, like oral history type stuff. Mm. Like he has done mm-hmm. a lot of stuff about like working, the working class, the labor class, doing oral um, interviews, compilations of interviews um, mm. and commentary on that. And that's what I know him from. I did not realize he was also in film. Well, let me hear a little bit of this trailer. Well, guess what he's playing? A sports writer. Well, let's hear a little bit of this trailer here. Any bet against my socks this series is a sucker bet. You can find seven men on the best club willing to throw the World Series. Come on, Joe! The Joe ain't in. I ain't. You want me? You don't want to be stupid, do you, Joe? Now, you just sign your name right there, Joe. Yeah, I forgot about the, the eulogies, the effigies being burned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Because I found this movie in the oddest of ways, I think through the mm-hmm. male bonding with my father over Field of Dreams. And I... For, ah, this is a good double feature with right. Field of Dreams because they're both about Shoeless Joe. I, I oh. grew up thinking they were... One was a sequel to the other because it really does help you understand... It, it'll help you appreciate Field of Dreams more if you've seen Eight Men Out. Okay. Because is it Ray Liotta Shoeless Joe in Field yeah. of Dreams? Yes. He shows up to like basically like, yeah, I fucked up. Like, <laughs> this is this is my <laughs> chance to like play ball again. Uh, after being banned for mm-hmm. what I did, mm-hmm. is, that is the, that's how it goes. I yeah, I always thought they were direct so. sequels, uh, but I yeah. probably wrote about eight hundred times. 
Yeah, Field of Dreams is coming in 1990. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, this works as a pretty good prequel. I mean, some of it I found strange, like the Charlie Sheen is in it as a very small part. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of confused by because we've already had Platoon and Wall Street. Dude is a star. That's Mm -hmm. true. He's early in this movie. Michael Rooker is in this movie way more than Charlie Sheen. Well, you know what? That's a good lead in to the other movie because, I mean, due to delay, the delayed releases of movies, I'm guessing this was shot long before. And Young Guns. Young Guns was yeah. just out in number one. We just had that. Uh, and they probably held on to it for a little while. This is probably Charlie Sheen making this right off of Ferris Bueller or some shit. Um, but this, the I, next. I don't know. But the I next, honestly don't know. But I, I will take Day of the Strathairn sitting around um, staring at the ceiling, really. Never True pronounce that, that right. Rick Love that Gray. dude. Love him. Good night and good luck, brother. But um, this this movie had a similar release, uh, Rocket Gibraltar. Gibraltar. Who says we should fix up the Rocket Gibraltar and give it to Grandpa for his birthday? All in favor of fixing up this cruddy boat for Grandpa's birthday, raise their hand. They all grew a little closer. You're the top. You're the top. Honey, you're beautiful. But don't sue me. Some. Okay, so this is the movie I'm going to guess... I watched with my grandmother and we both enjoyed the exact right amount because okay. it's very, very, very sweet. Uh, and it has one hell of a cast. Patricia Clarkson, Francis Conroy, Sinead Cusack, John Glover, Bill Pullman, Burt Lancaster, Kevin Spacey. But the big one, I'm guessing this movie was either released in limited release or uh, held on the shelf for a while. But after Home Alone came out, people were dying to show movies of Macaulay Culkin. Mm, and Macaulay okay. Culkin is... is kind of like this not the central kid but a very cute highlight of all the kids who want to fix up this boat for their grandfather's uh for their grandfather's birthday uh played by Burt Lancaster Mm -hmm. and if I remember correctly and I'm I'm mostly watching cartoons at this point so the movie um spoiler ends with the grandfather dying all the kids basically steal his body put him in the boat they made for him and light it on fire Viking style. Cool. And, and so I as, did not expect that. As a kid and next to my grandma, she's in tears and my mouth is agape for this last <laughs> gesture that all these kids team up to do for their grandfather. Wow. And I've never, I, I don't know, this is so weird. I've only watched it once and it was with my grandmother and we both fucking loved it. Right. Rocket Gibraltar. And I remember like, okay. no, get the one with, get the one with the Mac in it. Oh, I can't wait to see another Mac movie. I've never heard of this. But uh, yeah, most people haven't heard of it either. Rocket Gibraltar probably won't watch it either. Uh, oh God, let's go in a TV yeah, real fast. It's pretty sweet, actually. Speaking of uh, Field of Dreams, so you got Burt Lancaster again. Hey. That was his last movie. It was. Wow. Yeah. No shit. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking- yeah, he's one one of the few actors that gets like a good send off. Their last movie isn't something super embarrassing. He got a Viking send off. Mm, well, <laughs> pretty good. That is a bad segue to television of 1998, August mm. 31st through September. Uh, September 6th, because we get a, a bad send-off to... Yeah, I'll get to it in a moment. Uh, we got to say goodbye to a couple syndicated animated programs. I would love to talk your ear off once again about Dennis the Menace, but I feel like I've done it on 302010 several times. We've spoken Please about don't. it. <laughs> we just, it's just Let familiar. it die! Just, Let it die already! Just, We're very familiar. I loved that stupid 50s show they would show me in Nick at Night all the time. Remember Dairy Queen and Dennis the Menace like all over itself. Yeah. Um, it was And the comic was very popular and so was the cartoon show. But like seeing it again later, like, oh, fuck, Phil Hartman is the voice of everybody on this show. Mm. The dad, Mr. Wilson, a bunch of tertiary characters. But that, that closes its door. The bigger one with the sad, sad final-ish role. And I can't get a great beat on this. Uh, I'm going to start out with a misdirect for the theme song. This show says goodbye as well.
Yuck. It is the final wow. episode, uh, sort of, epi- the regular episode of Hanna-Barbera's Flintstone Kids. Mm-hmm. And I just Kids rem- today have no idea how good they have. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Not a goddamn clue. This you're, is foul. Yeah, like, you're, the, the kids program that exploits old characters is now like Teen Titans Go, which is so good it just got a movie. Yeah. <laughs> and this is just, again, It's if you've ever heard me... Rail on the Flintstones. It's a very real hatred. I know that it's nonsensical, but I hate that it was just, it is thrust upon me sometimes to this day. I like Fruity Pebbles, uh, but it's my parents' nostalgia being thrust at me. Mm. And back then it was in the form of vitamins and the Flintstones got a new show like every fucking week. And they were still running reruns of one season horror shows like B- the Pebbles and Bam Bam are teenagers one oh, yes. that ran on Cartoon yeah. Express. Flintstones reruns are everywhere, but the Flintstones kids ends and it's kind of technically... Maybe Mel Blanc's final role in television Mm. because they also brought him back. The Flintstone kids would watch a show on the show and that show was Captain Caveman and Son. Mm -hmm. So you had the regular Captain Caveman from the 70s who I for some reason fucking love because it's Mel Blanc screaming at the top of his lungs, uh, which I I don't know that he could even do at this point because he was on death's door. He did a couple of movies. I know I think his final role is technically the Jetsons movie, but his final Looney Tunes role is... Uh, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the last time he did those characters. And this is his last Flintstones characters. He didn't need to do Barney because Barney's a little kid, but he still did Dino and a bunch of other characters as well as Captain Caveman. But the Flintstones kids, we got to say goodbye. It's And it's sort of the beginning of this weird, we did a whole laser time about this called Lil Toons. Oh, for okay. about six years, they kept resurrecting old cartoon shows and making them young. Yeah. And I think one of the most successful ones will actually premiere next week. So we'll just talk about the subject again. But it involves a pup named... Uh, I'm not going to spoil it. Okay. I won't spoil it. But uh, th- there is a, a great finale to this. They have a Say No to Drug special with a Michael... Oh, with, I think, Kip Lennon doing a Michael... Michael Jack's Rock singing about beating oh, drugs uh-huh. that I should have just gotten oh, you a clip of. No. Oh, wait, that, that airs in a two weeks, so I can play that then. Oh, but it's good. not technically the last episode. It's, Put it it's on a your special. calendar, kids. Yeah, stay tuned for hey, that one. for drugs, they don't have to change rock to anything. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> there you go. So much easier. Yeah, there's You're so like, many... Don't smoke rocks, kids. Wait, you mean this this one? Or like my dishwasher? Or like my mom? Or... Everything's rocks here. You do understand, Bond, that even cavemen have a concept of weeds and rocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, if you're watching, if you're a fan of TV movies, especially those that air on CBS, and especially yeah. those that feature John Denver as a former FBI agent, I believe, uh, yeah. <laughs> named after one of his songs, you can yep. look forward to higher ground. An FBI agent's out to start a new life. The best friend cutting corners on the road to success. It's about narcotics and murder. One fatal shortcut. Don't make this your private war. And lots of dead ends. It's not smart to go poking your nose into other people's business. John Denver, Higher Ground, Sunday. <laughs> that looks great. Oh. It really does. Yes. It really does. And just it John really Denver is. being like one of the most unlikely 
celebrities in this day and age. In mm-hmm. fact, I think we would have like younger people would be more familiar with him if he didn't die so early because he was yes. still kind of everywhere. Oh, Everybody yeah. liked him. Uh, he kind of always did the right thing. I think is like the worst you can say to him. Yeah, this music's for pussies. But yeah. That's it. Everybody He's pretty benign. And he was so beloved, <laughs> he could even star in this weird thriller where he's taking down drug dealers. <laughs> I know. I, was... I really want to see him say like all the cliche lines <laughs> that a, a former agent would say in a thriller. Like, we don't have time. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean what to bother you. What about that little girl's rights? I don't mean to bother you, but court's adjourned. Bang, bang, as he holds his face <laughs> away from the gun. Because he hates he hates violence so much. But oh, yes, I, I teased this in the beginning. If you, In case you do not recall, this is a big deal, and I can't wait to talk about do it. Do the Marios! Do the Mario. If what? you are a little kid in 1988, and 1988 was personally the year I got my NES, my mm. Nintendo Entertainment System. And there was no better game for like three years of that American release than Super Mario Brothers. And there wasn't a real follow-up in video games. Super Mario 2 hasn't happened yet. It's a couple months away. Okay. But all you had, all you had to look forward to was the beauty of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Do the Mario swing your arms from side to side. Come on, it's time to go. Do the Mario take. One step, step and, and then, then again, again let's do the Mario all together now. So Sarah's mouth is agape because I guess you're a little too young <laughs> to remember. This, this ran for a really long time. This looks like something that is on Cartoon <laughs> Swim right now. Yes. Like at Nobody make fun of her for Cartoon Swim. I don't want to hear no. any of that. I don't want to hear any of that in the comments. <laughs> so sorry it has been a day it is it is adult swim obviously the super mario brothers super <laughs> show began airing this week and it even got revamped when like this format became uncool because this format was already uncool mm. old people this time in the form of kind of violent pierce cheeked wrestler captain lou albano <laughs> and uh old very old man danny wells playing very real blue collar italian plumbers who live in a basement and special guests drop by occasionally and they basically throw to cartoons featuring the Mario Brothers, voiced by themselves, and one other that I'll get to in a minute. But in between that is a bunch of weirdo guest stars. Um, And this this is just one of the only ones I could find. Hi, are you the Mario Brothers? Sure. Oh, you're Nicole Wicked. We watch your show all the time. Mario and I are your biggest fans. What are you doing in the medicine cabinet? I'm checking the expiration date on your toothpaste. It's ridiculous. It's utterly It's Charles in charge is Nicole Eggert. (laughs) Your, your toothpaste should not be expired. You are not brushing your teeth enough if that isn't the problem. They're old men and they would... <laughs> Actually, they I got ha- like five pallets of it back in 1974 <laughs> that fell off a truck. But it was, it was pretty, in hindsight, really unwatchable. But if you were in love with Mario, like I fucking love this show. Mm-hmm. It ran for two years. And when obviously that format got stale, they revamped it as Club Mario. Where it was started by a bunch of rollerblading teens. What up? Club Mario. Record scratch. Record scratch. Uh, So it it ran for even longer. It ran until I think about 1992, but with mostly the same animation in between. I have to pull up. It's my favorite thing. It's it's technically Captain Lou Albano, but he's in his Mario costume because he he had to shave his beard. Wrestling fans knew him with a beard Mm. this whole time. And he's doing an anti-drug PSA dressed as Mario. And it's just like the most cryptic fucking thing I've ever heard. 
so much. I catch Lou Albano talking about drugs. Kids, don't be afraid to say no. Anyone that asks you to use drugs is not your friend. Drugs can and will kill. Remember, don't be afraid to turn to your priest, your rabbi, your minister, your moms, your dads, your teachers, because drugs can kill. And if you do drugs, you go to hell before you die. Meanwhile, he is so sweaty and hungover yeah. looking, and his pupils are like the size of quarters. He'd be like, dead in months. And oh, God. That is rough. Yeah. It's Super Mario Brothers Super Show, but um, it's also not pretty notorious. That's the, the Mario adaptation. Like, we've seen a bunch of weird Mario adaptations. Those characters are, by intention, not very well defined. So any kind of fiction or voice you put on them, because most of the characters don't really have voices, mm-hmm. can get a little silly, but I think it adapts well to that. What people didn't like, every... F- this aired every day in syndication, uh, and on Friday, instead of a Mario cartoon, you got a Zelda cartoon, and it was a little more oh, serious. No. And yeah, Link, let's remember, in the Zelda series, doesn't speak. Mm-hmm. Even to this day, he's spoken a couple times. He, like uh, Other characters, Zelda finally spoke in Breath of the Wild, but Link spoke pretty much for the first time in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, where he basically... As uh, notoriously stole Steve Martin's catchphrase. Well, excuse me, <laughs> princess. It's <laughs> all the voice acting is utterly bizarre. I know Brett and I would like laugh to high heaven. Oh. The Ganon character just screams, Zelda, I'll kill you. It's, it's fucking crazy. Uh, I love that. I want that as like a gift to send you every time you send me like a snappy text message. I'm going to send that back to you. Which I do. I'm such a bitch. You are so sassy some days. I can't. I guess I got to talk and stop talking. Look, I'm just excited to have something like I watch like every second of. I wrote about this in a dumb article called like 80 Things You Don't Know About Inspector Gadget. But it's like the first human form of Inspector Gadget appears on the Super Mario Brothers Super Show because it was made by the awful... Dick Animation Group. Yes, I don't pronounce it Dick. It is Dick. Well, we've been wandering in the desert of none and bad TV for a while, mm-hmm. so I think we're all coming out but of it's, it today. I, I love how emblematic the 80s is of this because it's like the movies are now slowed to a trickle and television ramps up again because they assume people, well, they're all inside and in school. No one has time to go to the movies on a weeknight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's new new programs premiering all over the place, mostly in syndication right now, including a show called Relatively Speaking on September 5th, a syndicated game show hosted by John Biner, where the object of the game was for four celebrities to identify a famous person who was related to a member of the studio <laughs> audience. It is a, adorable, but it's like, this shouldn't have been televised. That is like, a <laughs> wafer-thin premise. <laughs> wafer-thin. It was made better by John Biner, who's a, a comic actor. He's, mm-hmm. he's done a bunch of voices. If you remember those awful cartoons, Anthony Aardvark, he's the voice of everybody. Mm. Um, but he would do impressions. They would cut to impressions, him doing celebrity impressions in costume and oh, stuff to make it a little more interesting. Okay. Yeah. And Diana's yeah. still wincing. But if you were a kid, even cooler, we have the premiere and syndication of the show Funhouse. Is that Soleil Moon Fry of Funky Brewster under all that goo? Talk about gross. Is that Stacy Keenan of My Two Dads behind that cow mask? That was amazing. And that's just some of the fun and some of the stars on the premiere of Funhouse. It's a ton of fun. It's a totally awesome Funhouse. It's for kids only. It's the hot new show where kids win great prizes. Funhouse. A one-hour world premiere of Funhouse. Saturday. <laughs> it's, wow. It's... 
sort uh, of. I'm just imagining the room full of 50 year old guys smoking that yes. have to write this copy. <laughs> so gross. Why doesn't that kid look happy? Yeah. <laughs> he just won Nintendo. Why isn't he not happy? Yeah, but meanwhile, they like flash to the audience and those children look like they are losing their minds. Well, like it is, I think, a very. A pretty blatant ripoff of Double Dare. Yes, but definitely. it's done with not a network, with a not a cable budget. So yeah. if you saw this show hosted by JD Roth, the most physical embodiment of like '80s television personas, mm-hmm. he went on to host like Jesus Game Pro TV. You would know him if you saw him. He voiced yeah, one the of the name sounds He familiar. voiced the American on Captain Planet. He had like just this iconic '80s introduction voice and talked a lot with his hands. And it was very friendly looking. I didn't know. I just had to look him up. He's still producing reality shows and created The Biggest Loser. Whoa. I didn't know that. He, yeah, he's been like creating reality shows and game shows this whole time. Wow. Um, but this it had a huge budget, and not only were the games like more significant than Double Dare at the end, predating like Legends of the Hidden Temple and even Finders Keepers. You. 80 stalwarts uh this giant giant fun maze contraption like Mm -hmm. this hybrid mcdonald's playland and like shaky fair fun house that looks like my dream come true as a kid like i that is right up my alley i love double dare i loved later on legends of the hidden temple and i would i probably was a little too young i definitely was a little too young for this Mm -hmm. uh when it premiered but man i would have been super in in a color palette that is just all unnatural. Oh, yeah. Just neons no out the No color anus. sound in nature at all. Oh, it's wonderful. But yeah. Funhouse debuts it eventually, like, remember we talked about Fox is kind of desperate as a network starting out and reached out to Double Dare, like, hey, Nick, can we have some of your Double Dare programming? Mm-hmm. They're like, fuck that. They bought up Funhouse later on. Mm-hmm. So its final season would premiere exclusively on Fox. Ooh. But that wraps up the television. Um, We got to get into the music of 1988 as we close out. I have games. Oh. I, have, I mean, I have a book. Oh, Sarah has a book. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, today, I don't talk about books in every segment because not yeah. a good thing comes out every single week. Yeah, sorry, no, guys. And also, it is a little difficult to find actu- like specific release dates mm. for a lot of books. So I've been working really hard. But one of the ones I found this week was Cat's Eye by Margaret Atwood, who has been hey. getting a lot of press recently because she wrote the novel Handmaid's Tale, which... Now is a hit television program on Hulu, which is fantastic, and the novel's fantastic. She also wrote Alias Grace, which is a novel that has a television show now on um, Netflix, I believe, mm. which I have not checked yep. out yet. Oh, it's really good. Oh, great. Okay. I really love the novel. So, um, so yeah, everything she writes is great. I've never read a bad novel by her, by her and this one is no exception. Uh, it's Cat's Eye. It's, a lot of her books are deal with... Um, dystopian futures Mm. this one does not it's pretty down to earth and real it's mainly it follows a woman who is looking back on her life she is a famous artist in toronto and it goes through flashbacks of her looking back in her life as a child growing up um starting in right after world war ii um and it's explores a lot of themes about uh femininity and masculinity and feminism and she is being as a child all the flashbacks you know relate to her growing up being raised by two parents who are not very conventional her father is a entomologist studies bugs studies bug words yes okay exactly (laughs) bug words and her mom is very non-conventional either and so this really influences her a lot throughout her life and really makes kind of a problem for her a lot of times with dealing with other women um if you are interested in themes about femininity masculinity feminism 
This book is excellent. Mm. I highly recommend it. It's written beautifully. It's so descriptive. There's a lot of beautiful scenes of nature that she describes without it getting very J.R.R. Tolkien-y. <laughs> like, okay, enough already. Like, she's just a really gifted um, modern writer, and I highly recommend this one for sure. Word. Well, with, with that unexpected book, uh, book update, we got to close out with some music. For 1998, August 31st through September 6th, we're entering in September, and of course, Monkey by George Michael is still number one. Uh, we got new releases, Peep Show by Susie and the Banshees, uh, Rank, the Smiths' only live album, and of course, Hanging Tough by the New Kids <laughs> of the Block. This feels... It begins! This wow. is, it's like officially the 90s are creeping into the 80s. That's yes, what this feels that's like. that's true. God I kind of missed the boat on New Kids on the Block, to be honest. I mm-hmm. had a cousin who was like three or four years older than me, and her, she had like the bedspread and like the posters mm-hmm. and the like trunk at the end of her bed. It was all New Kids on the Block, and I just always kind of missed the it boat was, on that one. It was real weird. I would love to go back and study that phenomenon just because like it was inst- it instantly took hold of mm-hmm. kids my age, and everybody was into it. And within yeah. less than a year... Except ev- for some of us. Ev- <laughs> well, my age, I said. Uh, I'm in the middle oh, of both okay. of you. Oh, you're, okay. You're like a couple of years younger than me. Yeah. yeah. So let me talk about New Kids on the Block. Please. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, I was in the, the perfect age group for this, and I just didn't care for them. And here's how messed up uh, pre-teenage girls are. I had people try to fight me over this. Uh-huh. People I didn't even know would just show up at my locker and be like, I heard you said new kids suck. And I just said, like, oh, I don't, I just don't like them. Say know? something just, nice about whatever. Jordan. <laughs> Wait, these are other girls showing up or? Uh, oh, yeah. Other oh, girls. Okay. That I, I, didn't I 100% know. believe this, too. This is a real thing. This is a real behavior yeah. that happens. And it's insane. Really? Yeah. yeah. And they would just show up and try to steal my books or fight me or scream in my face or push me or whatever. And it's like, I don't even, number one, I don't even know you. Two, number two, that's not even what I said. Just because I'm not part of your cult, you're going to try to kill me now. Yes. yes. I'm going to hold your yeah, head in the toilet is... until you say Donnie is the most famous Wahlberg ever and always will be. It's so funny. Yeah, it, Go ahead. It's such a weird thing that, yeah, young young girls getting into teenage teenagerhood do, that they have to enforce conformity because the op- the idea that there's another option and they might be wrong. Yes. I think, I, I think that's what it is where it's like, yeah, this happens several times mm-hmm. just because I don't care about the new kids. Just don't care. And of course, wow. that makes me hate the new kids. And now it's a self-perpetuating cycle. It produces, I think, a feeling of fear for um, other kids, especially girls when they are kind of in that age. Mm -hmm. I love that you're talking about this right now because that really directly ties into Cat's Eye, the book I was just talking about, because like a lot of the scenes involved um, her growing up with other girls and that sort of pack mentality that happens Mm -hmm. and how like everyone has to like the same things and agree to the same um, conventions of femininity and mm-hmm. um, everything or else you will be ostracized or worse like mm. really like horribly bullied and this goes right into that I so love the, how that ties in I, I, I don't had, love that you had to go through it though. I had I'm sorry. no idea really because I thought uh, oh, once yeah. once again I thought the male perspective was so much worse it, but again it was for everybody like yeah. everybody liked new kids on the block when I was in 1988. That's what I remember. And within months, a bunch of boys, I remember boys at sleeping slumber parties would have the new kids on the block sleeping bag or like a fucking John, John folder. They'd have their on their folders. It's just a popular band. They're the, they're the eighties Beatles. Mm. And then within months, 
you were gay if you were a guy uh-huh. and in a new kids on the block and no I'm not no I'm not no burn it right in front of you and like that it was very weird that kind of yeah. shit it's the first time I remember like w- as a male needing to publicly renounce something yeah. so I'm not called gay by everybody uh, but new kids baby man do they bring a lot more horror than good according to this segment <laughs> well you know I mean yeah I think that also comes to well yeah we, I don't have to get into that. Yeah. I don't want to make the it's whole thing about fault. this. <laughs> yeah, it's not there. And it's the just... problem is that middle school is a hell pit, as you established on Laser hey. Times. Yeah. And, um, they should just be stopped. Let's just not. Everyone gets homeschooled for three years, and then we start. No, over. I've actually like read um, educational theorists who have posited like for the years that we generally consider middle school, we should just send all children to a farm. <laughs> where they can like work the land be away and, from one another yeah just like not have to deal just be able to work all the shit out of their crazy bodies without having to like be no, in a classroom i mean i like that on one hand but on the other hand the girls that were threatening over new kids on the block like if they have access to a tractor i'm dead <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see how tough they are when we get a rake in your hands diana uh, <laughs> well I, I know it's not the first instance of what we know as the boy band, but it sort of is because I don't think for the modern, the modern more modern times, sure. I don't think I people mean, called the monkeys or Menudo boy bands up until this point. So, yeah, I was trying to think: is this the first boy band that might have been like artificially put together? Right. But no, Menudo was. Yeah, yeah, Menudo definitely Menudo was. always was, and it was didn't even like need to lie about it. Like it right. just yeah, we just put in, put together a band of cute out, kids we thought you'd like. <laughs> when you age out, we kick you out. We yeah. put in a new one. Yeah, that's the, how we got Ricky the Martin. new kids. It was meteoric. They got a cartoon show. I think they almost got a movie. Like they had an instant McDonald's sponsorship. But that totally tracks with like the monkeys yep. and everything. So I mean, like I think it all just all goes in in phases. Mm. Same with girl groups. Sure, you know. Well, just a, a different kind of thing. You're right. It, the monkeys are the same because they were pretending to play their instruments. But they were just playing the popular music at the time. I feel like New Kids on the Block, like, I don't know that that music was totally popular. Whatever you want to call that genre of music. I don't, you know what I'm talking about? Well, like, hang, the, the song we're going to close out on, Hangin' Tough. Like, I don't, those were weird boy bands, like, poppy, high-paced R&B music. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that is actually a genre that ex- existed before New Kids. Again, this is just my Maybe experience. Not. I was saying, yeah, I was thinking. I think they synthesized it and sweetened it up. But yeah. I mean, there had already been like love ballads, slow jams, and yeah, of course. Know. I think that this yeah, though pop. Mm-hmm. I mean, very synthy, poppy, sort of catchy stuff. This is though, I think, an interesting like maybe not not the apex, but certainly maybe the first thing that we can point to where like youth culture has really taken mm. over the zeitgeist mm-hmm. in a way that like maybe we hadn't seen before. Like you know, okay. with like the Beatles and the Monkeys and yeah. younger bands where young people were super into it. It wasn't ubiquitous to the point where they were making furniture with those guys' faces on it necessarily or sleeping bags or whatever. Like, there was still, like, an adult culture, too. And this is like a band genetically grown for kids rather than, like, this song might appeal to kids, but who knows if they're going to like the rest of the songs on Sinead O'Connor's album. (laughs) Yeah, well, some of it, I think, is that it skews even younger Mm. than previous boy bands or girl bands or. Leif Garrett or Teen Dreamstar. Yeah, once once you start getting into sort of teeny bopper stuff, you do see like 12-year-olds really into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you think about the Beatles, you tend to think like teenagers. And yeah. A little bit younger. Yeah. And a little bit just, older. I vaguely but, remember... Yeah, I mean, we're talking about I was 10 and girls were trying to kick my ass over this. I, yeah. I vaguely remember the phenomenon of like Debbie Gibson and Tiffany, but I don't remember mm-hmm. a male counterpart 
at all until yeah. New Kids. Well, I think yeah. it's just an interesting confluence of like, as far as the Mall Rock, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, the, and just the market being saturated, not just being about music, it about being about merchandising. It's like an interesting confluence where we got to a point now where like a youth culture has really become a real thing with like MTV yeah. boomers trying to like really appease their children. Plus manufacturing getting really cheap so we can churn out all this like <laughs> cheap merchandise yeah. with people's faces on it really fast. It's Kmart it beach just towels. kind of was like a perfect storm of like, Oh, this is oh, our new shit. way of life. And I, I apologize. <laughs> Sorry, that, this is getting really lofty. Listener, before you can point it out, I put point it out. I will recognize this is the most we've ever talked about music it's on thirty twenty ten, and I apologize for that. <laughs> well, it's but, a but big I, thing about our culture. I think they immediately had a McDonald's sponsorship, and yeah. I remember they came to town, and when people went to the show and came back the next day, I think they said. We're going to the McDonald's drive-through. See you there. And like, um, they're like, and then they went to the McDonald's drive-through. I think they were contractually obligated to take their limo, wow. to take a limo through the McDonald's drive-through because sure. the whole school in a pre-internet, no social media. There's no way there's even an article about this yet. That's what everybody was talking about the next day. And uh, yeah, anyway, it's genius. I don't have another venue to talk about this, but uh, this let's, is the perfect venue. What are you talking about? Let's go ahead and close out with "Please Don't Go, Girl." The, my least favorite new kids on the block song. Well, you see, they're going to have a couple number ones off of this album, so oh, I had I to pick one that didn't make it to number one so we can start shouting them out as we hit them. Okay. Yeah. And I, I reserve the right to replace the right stuff with Weird Al's The White Stuff, which is all about the inside of an Oreo. Oh, damn. I no, thought no, it was no, just no. giving shit Al. white people like. Oh, no. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Farmers Markets. Golden Doodles. The Wire. <laughs> the Wire. Uh, but let's hear Please Don't Go Girl, and when we get back, I promise you, we'll be in an entirely new decade. It is game time, baby. You guys heard about game time? Well, game time is the top destination for last minute tickets to live events. I mean, football season, college, or that other one is almost here. But hey, game time is not just for sports. Live music, big concerts, monster truck rallies, hey, plays, and all, even Sesame Street Live. You can find tickets for all of these under one roof in the game time app. Not only does game time make getting tickets easier, it even offers you high res photos of the view from your perspective seat. And unlike Ticketmaster and StubHub, who overwhelm you with so many choices and steps, the GameTime app shows you only the best values and makes buying tickets incredibly fast and easy. Seriously, just download the app for iOS or Android right now. Did you know that ticket prices can go down right before a game or concert? GameTime's mobile app tracks ticket prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best deals. So when prices drop, you can check out in two taps and tickets are sent directly to your phone. And with GameTime, you can get tickets at the last minute for up to 60% off. Even better, we can help you save a little more money. For $15 off your first purchase, visit usegametime.com slash T3 and then use the promo code T3. That's usegametime.com slash T3, U-S-E-G-A-M-E-T-I-M-E dot com slash T3, like the abbreviation for Terminator 3, to get 15 bucks off your first ticket purchase. Watch you smile while you are sleeping While you're far away dreaming I could spend my life in this sweet surrender I could stay lost in this moment forever Every moment spent with you 
my god, what a bittersweet pill to swallow. Uh, this song. Don't want to close my eyes. Don't want to fall. Armageddon, you can't escape it. It's true. The soundtrack is back to haunt us. But guess what else it's doing? Uh, guess what else Aerosmith is doing this week uh, in 1998? It is finally knocking off The Boy Is Mine from the wow. number one spot. I never thought this day would come. I feel like I made a pact with the devil. Uh, <laughs> I've wanted it to yeah. happen. That's but, fair. But not like this. Not, not like, like this. this. Again, once again, we are in the week of August 31st through September 6th. Welcome to 1998. And welcome to 1998 music. We have new releases. Tubular Bells 3 by Mike uh, Oldfield. Is that one of the ones that's on Pure Mute? Pure moods. I mean, it's got the perfect name Probably. for it. Okay. Yeah. Don Cartanega. John Cartagena by Fat Joe. Cartaneja. Cartaneja. That's a G. You pronounce the G. It's uh, in Colombia. Not in Colombia. Oh. Cartagena. Fat Joe's Colombian. I feel betrayed. Uh, cor- cor- corruption. The debut of Corrupt and uh, uh, Tetro by Willie Nelson. Teatro again. Teatro. You're in Florida now. I don't like this. You don't job. know how to say Spanish words. No, this is North in Florida. Florida. This is North Florida. Ooh, I love this because this will uh, help book in the segments. Uh, we're in 1998 once again, August 31st to September 2nd, and the biggest news in September 4th. And I don't remember if it was immediately big news, but uh, Google Inc. is founded in Menlo Park by who? Is it it? Is? Larry Page and Sergey. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> What's yep. that? <laughs> that's that's I was getting stats. Google is like, do I don't need to tell anybody is it like, how big Google is? Is it a thing? Is it like Bing? Uh, it's yeah, it's like it's like the way you Bing something. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But way worse. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Way worse. Yeah, no, it was definitely not a big thing for a while. I mean, there's I remember all the different search engines that people used. I mean, besides like Yahoo, and then I found out, oh no, MetaWeb is way better. I'm a Lycos man, of, always will be. Ask it's Jeez more of a Googley type thing, mm-hmm. and then like Google started. All the other journalism students start saying, like, no, Google's pretty cool. And you know what? The best thing is that, like, it the numbers at the bottom where it says how many pages are, it's like Google. Mm-hmm. And it changes the length depending on how many search uh, things it found. Oh, my God. I'm like, I forgot right. about that. That's, yeah, that's But it did, it did start out with a plain Silicon Valley thing of, like, no, let's not clutter the page. Because, like, every other search in, engine was kind of ruined already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. Google let its its ads in a, the more evil nature of its SEO it gave it a couple of years to set it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then how would we live without Google? We wouldn't be able to read this, share the stock together without it. That's true. Um, so 20 years and it's like the 11th biggest con- company in the world now. Yeah. So I, I love that because I think that helps even the young listeners among us feel mm-hmm. a little bit older. Google is 20. Yeah. 20 years old. They made my phone. Um, but 1998, people, we're talking about movies now. September, I don't know, August 31st through September 6th. Ooh, and there's something about Mary creeps back into the number one slot at the box office after six weeks. I told you that would happen. This movie's got legs, damn it. Uh, well. In, in the face of, like, a bunch of shittier movies. Yeah. But, yeah. But it is it is word of mouth that's slowly getting around. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, movies oh, don't totally. typically do that's this. That's true. I do remember that. Like, talk people, kids talking about it. But this is the first 1998 sequence ever where I have never seen any of the fucking movies that are that are in it. I saw everything that came out, and I missed all of these, two two of which I've heard of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, I've never heard of Firelight, Diana. No, neither did I actually. Uh, even though it's it's kind of my jam, and it it's a, a costume melodrama starring Sophie Marceau and Stephen Delane. Yeah, you play a little bit of the trailer. They tell you everything in five seconds. What on earth possessed you to come here? It's taken me seven years to trace my child. Don't ask me to leave her now. We had an agreement. I didn't know how it would be when she was born. All I heard was her cry. I've never forgotten it. You were paid to forget. 
This looks like oh, a parody. It does. It, <laughs> it looks like a fake movie that they went to go see in Seinfeld. Like yeah. Rochelle Rochelle. Yes. Yes, it looks like a scathing political screed from John Oliver buried within a movie. It's, it's true. It looks, it looks ridiculous. Every costume drama has to have a woman opening up two like French doors looking <laughs> out over a landscape. Oh, it's uh, a real thing. Or a freaked yeah. out British guy. What? <laughs> there is a natural order to this society. My ascot is blown right off. <laughs> Uh, and I also never heard of the movie Phoenix uh, with Ray Liotta, Angelica Houston, Anthony LaPaglia, and uh, Daniel Baldwin. The best Baldwin. Mm. Uh, I, what the hell is Phoenix about, Dee? It's it's a neo-noir thriller that got fairly meh reviews. Like every, every review that I found was like, this cast is so good and they're all pretty good in it, but it's just Especially Daniel Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, again, a trailer tells you in a couple seconds. We got a corpse, Salt River. Let's move. To his partners, it was a routine homicide. Let's get out of here. It's going to be 120 degrees. Just give me something to put him away. But Detective Harry Collins knew something was wrong. Do we know this guy? What he's looking for. Three the pig, the monkey, and the bunny rabbit. He's closer. Harry, please don't tell Fred. Fine. Whatever. Then he knows. I want to know this guy's name. It's not that simple. And the clues he's tracking down. What's your name? Did you get out of here? Look, you know, I don't know anything about anybody named Chicago, right? Hey, we got hey. some Giovanni Rabisi and uh, some Jeremy Piven up Jeremy in here. Jeremy Piven, Jeremy yeah. P- everybody's mm-hmm. favorite Jeremy yep, Piven. Yeah, so dirty cop thriller. There it's you a go. Very 90s. Uh, even movie. I was intrigued when they said the bunny, the monkey, and the rabbit. It was just people with guns with those animal masks on. A la Hotline Miami, so I was immediately intrigued. I had to watch a little more of that than I wanted to. Uh, another movie I've never heard of, uh, All I Want to Do, starring Kirsten Dunst, Gabby Hoffman, and Rachel Lee Cook. This this seems like a gal's movie. It yeah. is, and this is one I, I don't know what I thought this movie was, but I didn't think it's what it is. I guess <laughs> I thought it was like She's All That or something about like fun teenagers being fun. But this is about like an early 60s girl school and a coming of age story. Yeah, mm-hmm. its original title is Strike! Exclamation point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not about bowling? <laughs> oh my God, or, I would love that. Or a labor movement? I would love that too. Or maybe it is. I, mm. Let's check with the promotional uh, footage. In the past year, these five girls have become the best of friends. We all pledge help each other achieve our ambitions and the campus where they met what is your most cherished dream i would like to be an ex-virgin <laughs> has become the home they've always wanted guys i think i'm in love now this school will admit for the first time members of the opposite sex what, what, what? Oh man, yes. Oh yeah. Was that Vincent Carthizer I saw? It uh, was little baby uh, Vincent Carthizer at the butt cut. Who's Vincent Carthizer? You know, he was in Mad, Mad Men. Oh Pete. Yep. Pete, yes. Oh, I love Pete. He's the worst. He's truly the worst. <laughs> <laughs> he married Rory Gilmore in real life. Mm. Oh. Doesn't he? Doesn't he like live like a homeless man? Isn't that the thing? No, I'm not fucking around. He like like lives with like no furniture and like just grows his beard out all day. I, I remember reading an article. Anyway, he's uh, in Buffy. Never ever heard of all I want to do. Um, 
Are you with me, Di? Have you seen very few of these this week? I, I've seen none of these. See, this oh, week. yeah, this like never happened. Hat trick. I haven't them, seen any. <laughs> all right, out yeah. of all of them, this is probably the one that I would most want to watch because it seems like charming. Yes, it's ridiculous. Um, it's a. It, I'm definitely not watching the last one. It can go to hell. Let me just say this about all I want to do, and I may actually go back and watch this just to see if I'm proven right. I have a sneaking suspicion that this is one of those movies that's like an all-female cast that's being promoted as like a girly girl film, but actually probably does have a pretty good message and something a little bit deeper going on. But in Mm -hmm. the 90s, they generally just didn't promote girly girl films that way. It's like a secret message, I bet. That's true. It. Well, it's written and directed by a woman too. So, well, there you go. The nine I'm and a sure half weeks lady. The Betchdel test. <laughs> um, yeah. But this is this. They all had to get out of the way of this one, which was probably bittersweetly number one too. Were you? No, think- it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't. Thank God. Were you thinking that Judge Dredd was perfect, but didn't have enough Rob Schneider? I was thinking that. Oh, oh. Well, you are really going to love uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Leela Rochon and uh, Rob Schneider in Knockoff. In the game of international espionage, he is the most dangerous player. There is no conspiracy he can't stop. <laughs> That's an explosive device. No enemy he can't escape. They can target anywhere they want. No army he can't take off. I'm going to find a place around here to collapse. John claude Van Damme. <laughs> Not gone. Read it all. Oscar winner Paulie Sorvino as well. Rocking a Caesar haircut. That is the worst. Probably right as it was aging out of being in style. Right. Like right after Clooney had retired his, Jean-Claude Van Damme put it on. That is the dumbest Jean-Claude Van Damme haircut I've ever seen. It's pretty not good. I've seen a lot of his 80s films. Hard Target I love. And his his hair is like a bird. (laughs) Like a bird. Like a bird. Right. Like a bird has wings and that. a beak. It's amazing. <laughs> I want to see that. Uh, but Jesus, can we get out of movies? Because there's some mildly interesting <laughs> yes, TV I mean, the only them. nice thing I have to say about it is directed by Swee Hark, and it's, I think, one of his last uh, English language movies before he was like, fuck this shit, I'm going back to Asia. God damn it. <laughs> but, um, I mean, at least the trailer didn't have a lot of Rob Schneider schneidering. There, there's one hilarious sniper zoom in on his fucking big ass head. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> hey, don't make fun of us big headed people. We okay. can't help it. So let's talk about TV of 1998, August 31st through September 6th, because a bunch of boring yet notable things happen that change the way our world looks at things. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the premiere of the PAX Network. Oh, my. Which is almost like totally not notable in any way. Because it, it was, I think, some weird conglomerate of like Christian groups that came together to make not a Christian network, but family friendly horseshit. I so, was going to ask, mm-hmm. is it specifically Catholic? Because I do know that they do show Catholic Mass in the mornings. Now? I mean, it doesn't exist now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember looking no, at the I think, TV I Guide and that they had specifically Catholic it was Mass. Specifically huh. to be a like 100% only family thing. And we're not talking like only family and like. A full house where they say hell every once in a while. Right. They're talking like the fucking yeah. Waltons. Little like, House on the Prairie. That's what they're rerunning yeah. now. Just an unwatch for me, a fucking unwatchable channel. I feel like this is like yep. the third channel we've talked about, mm-hmm. like being promulgated during this time. Yeah, no? but it, it, it the channel itself mm-hmm. starts and then it okay. moves on to being like I independent television. You now know it as Ion, or I'm guessing most of you people listening where you used to see TNA Impact Wrestling. Mm. Uh, I think of it as the other channel to check to see if there's a Law and Order on. If USA doesn't have uh, SVU on right now, then yep. maybe older, regular 
original recipe at Law and Orders will be on Ion. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, I went, I tried to look as I could. There is no original PAX programming that I've ever heard of. Because hmm. uh, it yeah. kind of specialized in like, no, no, no. We're just going to show you stuff you know. Yeah. That's it. No new stuff. No, yeah, no Nothing stuff. more no. familiar Won't than a Catholic you. mass. It's mm-hmm. been around since at least the 60s. And I wish I could find more information <laughs> on the same day on NBC, the premiere of a TV movie called Diana. Yeah. Oh. So uh, this is when my reality show started. Yes. They were like, Diana, you're you're going to your first senior year in college. What's that going to be like? <laughs> you got a bunch of roommates and no furniture. They're all British and they don't know that. No, you can't drive to Louisiana in a weekend. Jesus Christ. And it all builds up to her seeing uh, Alf in Prague. Mm. <laughs> yep. Project yeah, Alf. Th- well, there's going to be a big flashback and a dance number to when I was in Prague and I saw the... The, the ELF TV movie was in a theater there. ELF versus the U.S. Army, it was called. Oh, my God. I can't uh, wait no, to this binge is, this. This is the first anniversary of Princess Diana's death, yeah. I should mention. And okay. I, I can't, but I still can't um, figure out what year, this is. I, talk, I have to say, last year I talked about it, and then I ended up asking it to be edited, and I feel like I'm going to bring it back up. Oh, go for it. I don't remember that. I will that. always remember that Princess Diana died on August 31st because that's my ex-boyfriend's birthday. Oh, fuck you, Steve. And I hate I hate that guy, and I love that every single year on his birthday, someone is going to talk about on Facebook or TV or whatever, Diana's so great, and we miss her so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that that's was just awesome. going towards, like, I love for his birthday, he's reminded that a princess died, but that's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> well, can I tell you that I will always remember the first time, the first day we ever got internet in my house, because it was the night that Princess Diana died. Oh, shit. Yep. That was like two oh. years before I got internet, like good internet. Oh, seriously? I mean, I had like prodigy and like AOL and horseshit, no, but no broadband. This is when we got AOL. Oh, like, okay. I had we were very luddite in my family for a long time. Uh, but I don't know what this is. I can't figure it out. I tried to look TV for it movie? too. Well, it said TV movie, but the only thing I can find any information on is like a documentary. But I, I don't see NBC airing in prime time a documentary of any kind. But if anything would merit it, it's the one year anniversary of Princess Diana's death. Yeah. So that that might have been it. I try. I mean, I tried um, to look for it too, just because like I was very much into the whole Diana and the death and everything, you know, during that time period. And so I'm sure I probably watched this, but I could not find anything online about what it actually was. Well, here's yeah, something just, that- just hitting IMDb. We got a ton of stuff from from '98. It's about Diana. Totally. So <laughs> yeah, it's probably all around the same time. Diana, a tribute to the people's princess. Diana, legacy of a princess. Time and again, the life and death of Diana, Princess Diana. Right. Diana, Queen of Hearts. Diana, a tribute to the People's Princess. See? You're, you're the story just of Diana, 2017. Retreading my research, I could not find shit. Although I didn't yeah. know Naomi, Naomi Watts once played Princess Di. That was new to me. That makes sense. But it's neither yeah. here nor there. Uh, Sarah, you like books? Then you're going to love Book TV, which airs for the first time my on C-SPAN. favorite show. Which is, just kidding. Uh, ironically, one of the things I watch the most on C-SPAN mm. because they generally have like cool... It's about books, but it's also like if anybody has a book... Mm-hmm. Uh, like Mark Marin or somebody like that, or mm-hmm. like it's just this hour long thing, this like focus in on this book. And by that, the most notable thing I remember that went viral because of book TV was Al Franken and Bill O'Reilly fighting. Mm-hmm. It is, it was oh. captured on TV by C SPAN and book TV. And like you can find a bunch of stuff like that. They'd find authors of competing worldviews and put them together and watch them fight. But nothing more notable than like Bill O'Reilly, shut up. Yeah. You've had your time, Al. Shut up. 
Uh, I love it. It's just Chris and Forever Book TV. This this polite little show <laughs> with the meanest the meanest argument between two two old people. It's very exciting because like nobody and like nothing in pop culture really talks about books anymore. Yeah. And uh, you have your NPR. Yeah, that's true. We do have our NPR, but other than in this that, show. but other than that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Holding the torchlight, which is funny though, too, because I mean, like millennials are actually like the ones that are like now keeping libraries afloat and independent bookstores. Independent bookstore openings have gone up in recent years, which is like mm. kind of crazy to think about. And I, I think saw, it's like I our s- generations, millennials, I that are doing the, it. The opposite. When I when I grew up, I got into books and comic books at a place called the Bookshelf. Yes. On oh, like way down in the bad neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And when I came back to Tallahassee, Florida, next to my parents' house is something called the Bookshelf 2. Mm-hmm. And I go in and it's just comic books. And he said, because nobody buys books anymore, mm-hmm. but people still ravenously buy comics on day one for suggested retail price. <laughs> and I just thought that was so odd. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure, but we have a... We have a independent bookstore that opened in mm-hmm. Tallahassee that is doing so well. They expanded oh, no their shit. the yeah, like it's right there in Midtown, and they they expanded their whole shop last See, year I'm and thinking, like put another floor on it. Basically, I'm thinking about living in San Francisco, wow. where like every single bookstore is starting a Kickstarter or a Patreon to yeah. stay afloat in yep. this awful city. It's not the catastrophe that everyone thought it was going to be when Amazon and the Kindle came in. I can say that. Mm. Uh, but also on September 1st, get ready, kids, because it's the first of uh, two big cartoons we're going to talk about in this segment. So, yeah, weird. The Hercules TV show begins this week, and... You know, I've always felt that Hercules is a pretty fucking funny movie. I think we talked yes. about it last year on 302010. Um during this period, this period of Disney Renaissance, like Aladdin was my favorite and they never really followed up on that until Hercules. Like let's grab as many celebrities as we can, like make this shit funny. Mm-hmm. Make this like they, Disney doesn't have a lot of just straight up funny movies. And mm-hmm. uh this is one of them. And unlike Aladdin or Little Mermaid or those other shows Disney like, you know what? This movie's pretty popular. Three years later, why don't we start a TV show? They clearly started this TV show before the movie was out. Oh, okay. Mm. And and I would say to its credit, because I don't see Disney showing Hercules a lot of love, and I think it's I well it's well remembered by people a little younger than me, primarily because it had a good TV show. Really? That aired one year later. So right around the time they're watching it every day on VHS, like, oh, here's your all new Hercules adventures. Mm. We don't want to make a sequel or anything like that. It's just like this is just in the Hercules universe before he's like full god and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and because of the nature of who they cast as these characters, they most all of them came back with the exception of Danny DeVito. Tate Donovan is back. There's no Meg. She hasn't met Meg yet. Um, but James Woods. James won, Woods came back? Won an Emmy for his performance what? in this show for a, a daytime Emmy. I had no idea. Everyone's favorite James Woods. But Bobcat Goldthwait and Matt Frewer returned, and it did boast, and this is only on IMDb, it's just like, holds the record for the most celebrity guest stars. Because it's like one Disney syndicated season, meaning it's like 50 fucking episodes. Mm-hmm. But like, I looked at the guest star list, and it is fucking crazy. There is no reason to have as many celebrity guest stars as they do. Oh, Jason Alexander as Poseidon? Jesus Christ, a, like a Reno 911 cast reunion on an episode of Hercules? What the fuck? <laughs> like, it, it does have... 
a ton of guest stars. And it was, wow. I wish I could rattle them off in audio form like I do for Diana when we talk about variety shows, the 1980s. But like, there were a ton of guest stars on Hercules. Like, I don't know how Disney afforded all this. Hmm. But, they, but they pulled out all the stops. And we had an interview with the show's producer, Tad Stone, on Laser Time, talking because he created Darkwing Duck. He was instrumental in getting DuckTales off the ground. And he created a show we'll talk about. In a few weeks. Ooh. I didn't mention, did I mention that? Super Mario Brothers Super Show was number one in the ratings. And two weeks later, we'll become much better remembered syndicated programmings that beat the shit out of it. But anyway, <laughs> Tad Stone producing this Disney program, he said in our interview that when Disney decided to go into television animation, which they didn't want to do for a long time, he's like, well, we have to be better than everybody else. And if you hold up Hercules to all the other shows, animated programs, it looks better, it's funnier, it's very well made. Uh, I don't know if you can buy it in any fucking form, but a lot of this stuff exists on YouTube in full. But Hercules, it debuted this week. Cartoons I haven't heard of that also aired the same day, September 1st, Cousin Skeeter on Nickelodeon. Mm. But perhaps more notably for you millennials. This is me, Eliza Thornberry, part of your average family. I got a dad, a mom, and a sister. There is Donnie. We found him. And Darwin? He found us. <laughs> oh yeah, about our house. It moves. Because we travel all over the world. You see, my dad hosts his nature show. And my mom shoots it. Okay, so we're not that average. All right. Uh, Wild Thornberry's up. Very surprisingly pleasant little yes. program. I have nothing um, but good memories about this show. And I, I call it the, I, I tease it as the anxiously awaited follow up to Rugrats because Klasky Chupo did a ton of shit in between there. But um, like Duckman, I love Duckman, but no one would consider that the follow up to Rugrats. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Wild Thornberries would eventually cross over with Rugrats and more than one occasion, including in theaters. Wild Thornberries also got its own film, but it's to me, it's most notable. I didn't even realize it until I was reading about it that, uh, up until this point, all the Nicktoons were, well, it's the way Adult Swim still does stuff, like 10-minute chunks. You have two halves to a half hour. And Wild Thornberries was the first one, like, no, this is a adventure, like, out in the wild with a lot of animals that we want to make a 30-minute story. So hmm. for the first time ever, Nicktoons got a 30-minute one story uh, instead of two segments that so they could split up That's later. That's nice. And it also means they'll have a hard time splitting it up on YouTube or whatever Nicktoons network they just announced later because you know you can't split it up as easily uh but wild thornberries a nice a sweet little show that i very i'm sweet. too old to have watched but i was there for some reason day one when the movie came out and it hmm. was very successful uh but that came out this week and am i missing anything oh god i had to say this real quick because this is like the say goodbye to the old guard on september 2nd the statler brothers show says goodbye on the nashville network no <laughs> i don't know what that is it's like it looks like something you weren't alive to have seen because like it's <laughs> it like was very much alive. a 60s gospel group that Ooh. got their own variety show on TNN, which was then very still proudly the Nashville Network. Mm. That would change a year later. This show was on for seven years. It was the highest rated show on that network. That network would then change its name to the National Network, then to Spike, and then to, I guess it's now the Paramount Network. Oh. But as they, it like right... I guess this gave uh, TNN the courage to rebrand as its old. I think they had Grand Old Opry on there as well. Like okay. it's really started up. It started out as a very earnest Hick channel, <laughs> Grand Old Opry and the Statler Brothers show. Mm -hmm. But now we're saying goodbye, and we can oh, allow no. things. No, you no. know the Statler Brothers, according to Wikipedia, formed in 1955. Whoa! Wait, really? Yeah. Their album covers suggest they were born at the turn of the century. 
Yeah. Because that's all I looked up, the Statler brothers. I just thought, like, they made a movie out of those two Muppets who yell at each other? That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, no, but you know, because they sang uh, Flowers on the Wall. <laughs> oh, yes, my favorite song. I so you know, know that song. I do there not. No. I do not. Well, From I know Pulp something. Fiction, you do. Yes, oh. you do. Oh, all right. I might. Oh, my God. We spent the entire weekend listening to the Quentin Tarantino Spotify channel. Spotify channel. So <laughs> I'm sure I heard it at least three times. <laughs> but uh, I know something you ladies don't know. Because yeah. in video games this week, a big one, uh, I don't want to bring up, open any old wounds, but uh, the original Mega Man Legends premieres on PS1, in America at least, or maybe in Japan. I should have checked harder. Hmm. Uh, but this is when Mega Man goes full 3D. The traditional side-scroller Blue Bomber uh, removes his helmet, goes full 3D, and this giant rpg action adventure with full voice acting. And I remember I lovingly beat this game in... One night, I remember your husband like walking in my house, and, like, "What is wrong with you?" I'm like, I haven't slept. <laughs> Mega Man Legends, man, it rules. Uh, but I, I loved it on my first playthrough. It, uh, but it sold very poorly, and I, I don't, I don't know how much I should talk about this, considering I did work for the company around mm-hmm. this time. But it finally got a third game announced, but it was eventually canceled, and blah blah blah. You know what? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it at all. But, uh, but <laughs> Mega Man Legends. Uh, was a pretty decent game. I don't love it that much because, like, it's just not a Mega Man game. Mm-hmm. Mega Man game is needs like a couple things, like bosses and powers you soak in. I don't want to talk to a shop owner or kick a dog, <laughs> which you can do in the game. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you can definitely kick a dog in the game. Hell no. But uh, that came out this week, and you're probably still playing it if you care at all, because hmm. people really fucking love that game apparently. Uh, but you know what? Let's leave 1998 if we can. Uh, and we will we will close out with Daydreamin' by Tatiana Ali. Is that is that Muhammad Ali's daughter? No, no, it's Ashley from The Fresh Prince, isn't it? <laughs> am I totally wrong on that? Am I Diana? Way in here. Who am I thinking of? I'm looking it up. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, Ashley from The Fresh Prince. Oh, Damn. I, that should that should give me an extra. Muhammad point. Ali has a daughter who does things though. He probably right? has like. You think, I think you're thinking Layla Ali. Layla Ali oh, yeah, is she's who an actual exactly boxer. She's a fighter. No. I was hoping that she would have like a side job of singing R and B, and that would be amazing. This is Ash from The Fresh cool. Prince. I think I'm she. Sorry. I have to mention that it just says on Wikipedia that uh, Tatiana's dad's name is Sheriff. <laughs> that is a rad Fuck, name. That's cool. Sheriff Ali. Sheriff mm. Ali. Okay. Sheriff Mahershala Ali. God, what, that would be the coolest name in history. <gasps> yes. Uh, but that is on the charts this week, and we'll close out 1998 with that song. But stay right there because we have to talk about 2008. <laughs> Take a look at your phone bill, people. I know I'm pretty careful with my mobile service, yet my bill has still gotten a little out of control. Well, there are other options out there, people, like Ting, the best mobile service you've never heard of. Plus, they're offering $25 off your bill or $25 off a new phone in the Ting shop just by going to laser, laser.ting.com. You might not know about Ting. That's Ting like ping if that makes any sense. You might not know about Ting, but they're a phone service uh, that do things a little differently, starting with their plans, because there are no plans. Seriously, there is no plans, no contracts, and no startup fees. 
you simply pay for the data that you use. If so, if you're like me and you're someone who's mostly connected to Wi-Fi all the time, you might be paying more than what you need to for your data right now. For example, the average Ting bill is just $23 per phone. And Ting offers nationwide LTE coverage so you'll get a great signal from coast to coast. And just so you know, almost any phone will work with Ting. From that ancient Motorola Razr to the latest Galaxy X9 or iPhone 10, you're just a SIM card away from a new phone and a new plan. So if you've had it with a high cost and hidden fees of other service providers, Ting might be for you. And better still, laser timers can get $25 off their bill or $25 off a new phone just by going to laser.ting.com. That's the word laser, T-I-N-G.com for $25 off your bill or a new phone. Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And after a couple weeks of it being, eh, I have to kind of pull something out of my butt to think of to recommend. I've got so much to recommend, like too much to recommend. So for August 31st through September 6th, uh, heading back in time 40 years ago this week, September 1st, 1978, saw the release of probably the best zombie movie ever, Don't Fight Me, Dawn of the Dead. If you haven't seen Dawn of the Dead, even if you're not a horror fan, I think you'll find it interesting. Then 50 years ago this week, in 1968, we have Stolen Kisses by Francois Truffaut, which is his follow-up to The 400 Blows. The 400 Blows is amazing, and you should watch it. And Carry On Up the Khyber, apparently the best of the, like, 18,000 British Carry On films, because it actually made the British Film Institute's list of the 100 best British films. I have not seen it. Carry On films are really hard to find in the U.S., because... Just they're immensely unpopular. <laughs> it's a different style of British his, uh, uh, British comedy. It's just, yeah, no. And then 75 years ago this week, we have Vincente Minnelli directing Red Skelton in I Dude It, which is the worst title ever. But please go on YouTube, look up Red Skelton, I Dude It. And there is like the second or third thing you'll find is a dance number with him and Eleanor Powell, where she is unconscious and he is trying to like put her to bed and like, get her in her nightgown and like put her and she's just it's an incredible physical comedy number because she's a dancer and so she can bend fully in half and fall over and slide off of this and it's it's one of those things that like i just randomly caught on tcm and i was like oh my god this is amazing the whole rest of the movie's okay but that number is great and then finally 80 years ago this week september 1st 1938 saw the release of You Can't Take It With You, which is maybe the most charming movie of all time. Um, It's just so cute and wacky and, you know, a bit stagey, but it's Frank Capra and it's all these adorable characters having adorable misadventures and misunderstandings and wackiness ensues. And it's just like so adorable and life affirming. If you're in a bad mood, I think it'll really help you. And who isn't in a bad mood these days? So action packed week for Classic Corner. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. You wasn't looking for a man when you saw me in the sand, but you fell for the boy from the city. I was like, hey girl, can I get your number? I remember what you told me to. Don't call after 10, but you know that I did, cause I couldn't stop thinking about you. I think about you in the summertime, and all the good times we had, baby. Yuck, <laughs> book it and in the show in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, you're not you're not mistaken. This is 2008, yet that is still New Kids on the Block with uh, with Summertime off of 
the block. Was their, that Donnie Wahlberg? That in the video, yes, that we were just watching. Uh, their first album in 14 years, and I gotta say, feels a little sad. <laughs> feels a little sad trying to co-op this new form of music. Super These sad. old men. He's like 55. Dude, you know what was more sad? I almost went with a different song featuring Neo, which really should just be called "It's a Song by Neo featuring New Kids on the Block" because they're like singing backup and like Neo wow. singing the whole song. I'm like, guys, that's not what you're supposed to do on your own album. Right? It's not like you play instruments. You shouldn't be singing backup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Uh, but we are in 2008, people. August 31st to September 7th. Um, Got new releases. That Lucky Old Son by Brian Wilson. Stay with us, Brian Wilson. Uh, Just a Rolling Stone by Donnie Klang. Swan Song by the debut of uh, Hollywood Undead. Lost in the Sound of Separation by Under Oath. And The Recession by Jeezy. Disturbia by Rihanna. It's just starting. Good timing, Jeezy. (laughs) (laughs) How did he know? I know. I should have listened to that guy instead of the Mad Money guy. Seriously. Oh, that dude knew what he was talking about. He knew what to short. Um, but, oh, see, here's some news. Uh, in 2008, September 1st, Hurricane Ike hits Texas, killing 27 people. Kind of a lot for a hurricane. Yeah, that's the one that it, it hit Galveston right on. And you can see pictures of, like, yeah, there's just half a block with nothing. And then, like, the one guy with the one house. Yeah. Yeah. Just, built it in some sort of fancy, fancy way or whatever. And I'm not going to forget, it's the 10-year anniversary of hurricanes hitting Texas. That didn't happen. Yeah. (laughs) Climate change deniers Mm. up until that Mm. point. Uh, But uh, again, to bookend the new segment from the previous one, Google turned uh, 20 uh, 20 years ago, but 10 years ago, even though Internet Explorer holds about three quarters of the Internet browser market, at this point in 2008, they're getting some stiff composition from a newcomer. Google Chrome. Mm-hmm. Google Chrome turns 10. On the 10th wow. anniversary of Google's founding, uh, as an, getting incorporated, I should say, they, they launched Google Chrome. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the Google product I used the most. Um, but let's jump into the movies of 2008, August 31st through September 6th. Uh, a bunch of stuff I've vaguely seen, mm-hmm. uh, but not Bottle Shock with Chris Pine, Bill Pullman, Alan Rickman. And I'm going b- somewhere, going Potter. somewhere Potter. Put a stopper in this impression. <laughs> I, see, I'm gonna. I, I don't know anything about Bottle Shock Dive. Ooh, mm. I do. What? I watched it. Correction, I watched right. half of it because it is very, very boring. <laughs> <laughs> I got a really cool name. Sounds like a, yeah, a cool sequel to Bottle Rocket. A, no, it's about a, a fancy British wine snob. Guess who plays him? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he comes to hear what they're growing wine. They're they're growing wine grapes and making wine in Napa in California. Preposterous. Back like in the seventies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of this movie. Did you sleep with her? She liked my wine a lot. Why don't I like you? Because you think I'm an arsehole. And I'm not really. I'm just British and, well, you're not. I've read about it, but I've never seen it. You can make a wine too perfectly. You have to have it in your blood. You have to blow up the soil underneath your nails. You smell the grape in the air that you breathe. Just want to not fail. Jesus, remember in all movies were appealing to white people? (laughs) So overwrought. I mean, so I actually did not make it through this entire movie, which is... Unfortunate because I like so many people in it, such as Alan Rickman, Bill Pullman, Bradley Whitford, like one of my major Hollywood crush dudes, like 
Chris Pine, you're okay. You're not the worst Chris. I'll tell you. I'll say Thank that. you. <laughs> but um, it is super boring. Like Sammy and I went through kind of like a wine phase that we're kind of still in. And so I, I had him watch Sideways, which we loved. And mm-hmm. that's pretty, right. you know, that's pretty pretentious in its own way and very white and very bougie Mm -hmm. and so i was like Mm -hmm. i saw this on netflix i was like oh great here's another one let's crack open a some a bottle of something good and watch this we didn't make it through the entire thing it's just like it's very overwrought the acting is very overwrought and a little it's it's people caring too much about wine (laughs) that's what it is and chris pine's hair is an abomination <laughs> it like i don't know if it's a it's, it's definitely a wig because it is just a crime basically mm. sorry I, everyone i just want chris pine to gain another like 80 pounds to just become william shatner the moment he dies because the last couple star trek movies he's like oh my god i don't know who saw this in you but it wasn't in the first star trek yeah you shat- are william shatner Shatnering. this is great yeah he'll just shatner's Spirit will just pass into his body. Ah. It'll be fine. <laughs> and I love that we got to last week. We talked about Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was essentially the, the the launching the launch pad, or I don't know, the trebuchet of Guy Ritchie, uh, the the movie that launched him into into fame. And he spent the next ten years kind of following up on that with the diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. Let's say, yeah. Well, I mean, he followed up. With Snatch, which is very similar, and, very and then po- he much more popular, going off in a different direction mm-hmm. that um, didn't fit his aesthetic quite as well. You mean you're talking swept away again, octopus and Madonna's I, face? I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting in the face with an octopus again. Your weird amazing. fetish. <laughs> um. Yeah, and so we haven't we haven't gotten to Sherlock Holmes yet, have we? No. Nope. The RDJ one, which it's terrible, is okay. Well, I don't hate it. It's the worst. I, I can't don't. Stand it. I don't hate it, mm-hmm. but uh, there's not a lot that I like. I mean, I guess there's a couple parts. I love the music. It lives, and it lives the in a world with direction doesn't get in the way as much as I expected it to. And it, it tried to live in a world roll, with, with which is him going right back to the original well. But if in various a fun way. gangs with Cockney accents having problems with each other, but in a much more fun way that was much more well received. Mm. It, hmm. Like this is his high, like the only I think I can remember he made after Snatch, where it was like unanimously like this is actually pretty fun, and it was it yeah. like this. It's, th- this was like I heard almost nothing about it. Some mm-hmm. people said, "Oh yeah, that's a lot of fun. You should watch it." And then I watched the trailer, and I was like, "Oh shit, you know what? I might actually watch this now." Yeah, it's yeah. A, a great cast: Gerard Butler, Tom Wilkinson, Idris Elba, Thandi Newton, Mark Strong. You guys were wondering yeah. during the Sasha Baron Cohen mm-hmm. episode who Mark Strong was, I th- where I wasn't selling it very well. Uh, big, cool, tough guy. Uh, Tom Hardy as well. But yeah, this is Rock and Roller. People ask the question, what's a rock and roller? And I tell them, we all like a bit of a good life. Some the money or the fame. But a real rock and roller wants a lot. There's no school like the old school, and I'm their master. Right. Let me tell you how this works. You're going in the drink, and I'm going to have a cup of tea. I just hope for your sakes you can hold your breath for as long as it takes my kettle to boil. All right. See ya. Time. I don't know. I think it's this is the only other Guy Ritchie movie other than Snatch I really kind of dig. Yeah. Uh, I, rock and roll. Them. I see that. I've seen this. I don't remember that much of it because 
just in look and style and everything, Rock and Rolla and Snatch and Two Lock Stock are kind of, they kind of bleed together for me. Totally. And I have very mm. few red flags when it comes to movies. Yeah. And it's just Gerard Butler. Is he bad? <laughs> He's bad, right? He's I, terrible, I right? always say, I think we acted too soon in making him a movie star. A hundred percent Because everything he yeah. in, he's in fucking sucks. He's <laughs> truly the worst. Like, I... Does he get... But he it looks like he gets to use his actual accent for once. Yeah, that, that yeah. Must make things easier. I, I will say, in a, in a baser sort of way, there was a shot in this trailer where a door opens and it's Gerard Butler, Tom Hardy, and Idris Elba just standing there looking really manly. Oh. And I'm pretty sure I ovulated. I, yeah, I'm into two out of three of those. <laughs> Me too. Ooh, guess uh, which one? I mean, I don't think I'd get rid of any of them. I mean, but... Eh. It's a good fuck, Mary kill. Whatever. I don't know. Oh, it yeah. was just it's so, so much fucking testosterone, though. Sure. God damn it. Spontaneous ovulation. It's a thing. Well, mm-hmm. speaking of testosterone, Speaking of testosterone, uh, I believe this is the first part in the Nicolas Cage 10-part series of, I just have bills to pay. <laughs> <laughs> this also is like right in his like um, crazy fake hair time, right? Dude, you, if you yes. put the covers of all these DVDs together, they're hysterical. Okay. And that's, that's where I even got the hair as a bird thing, because Nicolas Cage's uh, hair is yes. fucking ridiculous. And his hair. This is... movie, especially Bangkok Dangerous, which gets to be number one at the box office. No. Your package. When it comes to killing. The man in the case. He hurts many country girls. He buy them from their parents and sell them. Make it quick. Do the police know who you are? No one knows who I am. And never make it personal. Oh my god. <laughs> so many things. Do the Mario's! Do the Mario! I just had to just a palate cleanser. So many things about that trailer. A, the one where the guy the part where the guy is explaining, like, yeah, their parents sell them into sexual trafficking. Nicholas Cage looks like he's never heard of like human trafficking what? before. Like he is look he has a look on his face like how Ice T looks in most episodes of Law and Order SVU. You're telling me people pay for sex? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Second of all, what looks like is supposed to be the start of a very romantic scene of the <laughs> love interest looking at an injury he has basically looks like a cat scratch. Like it is like it's supposed to be, I think maybe, I don't know, a bullet wound or something. It looks like his cat like pl- Playfully it has, has the same description as the transporter. A hitman violates his set of personal ethics to become a hero. But this one's in Bangkok. Oh, also Babylon AD. Oh, Jesus. It never yeah. gets old. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've, I've never dug into the Nicolas Cage direct-to-DVD world that we've entered now. But um, for Nicolas Cage movies that went to a theater and somehow made it to number one because nothing else was out, <laughs> this is probably the worst thing he has ever done. You don't, you don't mean that, Diana. No, okay. no. Uh, yeah, his hair and the way it is dyed so flat black. It's like Vanta black hair. It's light crazy. just is absorbed by it. His I don't know what is going on with his face. He looks like someone who's wearing a Nicolas Cage mask. <laughs> wait a minute, like, wait Tom a minute. Tom Cruise is going to rip it off any second now. Is it? And, and it's actually a secret Mission Impossible movie. Are we sure it's not John Travolta? Ooh. Oh. Cool? That would yeah. explain mm. so much. Right? <laughs> The bad acting, Poor Nick Cage. the weird oh hair. He, he's putting out alternately, you know, zero effort and, and way too much effort. Mostly, <laughs> this is this is mostly sleepy time. Nick Cage, oh. he, he's not doing anything. 
now. Yeah. Look out. He's got a gun. <laughs> I, I totally watched this and was bored at it. Like, without even a phone to look at at the time, was bored out of my fucking mind. But every, it's like all magenta and electric blue. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole thing is like shot like late 90s. Oh, yeah. See, it's orange and teal, the movie. Yes, basically. It's, yeah, it's, it's the fucking worst. So do not we do not recommend Bangkok Dangerous. Not yet anyway. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> um, I remember so little about it. It's one of these like I watched it on Bad Movie Sunday over at my friend's house and it was like this movie's like ninety minutes. I'm so bored. I feel like I've been watching it for three and a half hours. And the movie ends and I'm like I remember nothing except <laughs> that it was horrible. Have y'all done it for Monday Night Movie? Fuck no. No, don't even propose that. Don't even no. joke about that. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. That's nowhere near good, bad enough, I don't think. Uh, to be no, bored by a Nicolas Cage movie. Ick. Uh, but moving to television of 2008, August 31st through September 6th. Uh, sorry, people. Another another longstanding 302010 bookend. PBS is finally pulled Teletubbies. We talked about its 10-year introduction of like a couple dozen episodes ago. And ten years later, like it's just off the air entirely, and will remain that way for almost another ten years. We, what a bizarre show! It is a bizarre mm. show, but we are also oh my god! I should say I usually know more about television, but this is just a bunch of stuff. I'm going to assume not a lot of you guys watched anyway. Maybe you younger folks on September first wave goodbye to the sweet life of Zach and Cody. I did not. No, all of these these all have a thing in no, common. No, I'm an adult. That's why. <laughs> yeah. And even as an, I don't know, this these these Disney Channel sitcoms are fucking terrible. I have nostalgia yes. for some Nickelodeon shows, but I know which ones are terrible and which ones are worth holding aloft. Uh, and I, I, do, I can't, I, everything I've seen of Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, it's indistinguishable from every one of their other mm-hmm. shitty laugh track sitcoms. Mm-hmm. But this one, was, this was, I think, Disney's highest premiere, highest rated premiere. Ever this oh, this yeah. show went this a while? Was really, really popular, yeah. and then they did that crossover with Hannah Montana. Whoa! Yeah, dude, it's got such sp- a big deal, and I'm sure people that are you know half my age can put in comments. That, <laughs> oh yeah, we're wrong. Cause... We're so wrong. How dare you say anything about the Super Super Mario Super Show and <laughs> Bash Sweet Light of Zach and Cody? To which I say, you're right. You're right. I'm not gonna fake it. I'm not gonna watch this show. <laughs> I'm not gonna watch this show. Just talk about it for four minutes. Yeah, I don't have that kind of time. I can't handle that much percote precocious child talk right it's because speaking of nostalgia jumping in the next day on the cw the resurrection of 90210 airs and i watched a ton of 90210 i would never ever recommend it to you in my life that was just what we were given and we ate it up it's a terrible show (laughs) and i I remember things specifically about it none of it's worth recommending i have my nostalgia in check man that's what the laser time network is about uh, did anybody see the 90210 remake? It did not last no. that long. And they kept doing yep. stunt casting, like uh, casting people from the old show in mm. new parts on the show to try and like, I don't know what basis they were trying to cover. Because like this show is only going to be popular on the CW if your young audience doesn't know what the fuck it is. Like it, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't care about a 90s Fox show at all. Nor, nor Shannon Doherty and Jeannie Garth and Luke Perry coming back to, uh, to reprise their old characters. And I just remember them desperately doing that over the course of a handful of seasons. I'm going to jump to September 5th real fast because I was so excited when I saw this. The horrendously, misleadingly titled Stand Up to Cancer airs on CBS, ABC, NBC, and the E! Channel. Wow. So the only reason I think uh-huh. the E! Channel is in there because that at the time Comcast did not own NBC, but they were trying to get behind this charity event as well. Mm. And I, the only thing I'm speculating here, uh, there is a fascinating story that we never talk about in 302010 about the Jerry Lewis Labor Day telethon. 
And uh-huh. at one point they stopped doing that. And I think this is like kind of Katie Couric trying to like step on that. <laughs> like, let's do this thing for cancer. Jerry's kids are getting along fine at this point. Sure. Um, I, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, that airs and d- contains no stand-up. That's what I thought it was going to be. I yeah. thought, we, why would Could you call it? comic yeah. relief? Yeah. yeah, say beat up cancer or something like that. Yeah. What the fuck? Well, now that the title's even more confusing because if it was just stand-up to cancer and it's a bunch of stand-ups, okay, fine. But now you're implying that if... If you're not standing up to cancer, you're letting cancer kick your ass. And it's your <laughs> fault that you're stage four, oh, asshole. Yeah, that's. Why didn't you stand up to that cancer? <laughs> Don't be a pussy about your cancer. Yeah, for real. Grow up. Everyone has cancer now. Uh, oh, wait, boy. am I taking the wrong? Okay. Uh, but September 3rd, <laughs> the more notable show, uh, which I didn't like, uh, Sons of Anarchy makes its debut. And I. I did not know this show would not only last as long, but leave the legacy it did. It's, yeah. I believe, for the FX network, it's it might still be the highest rated program they've ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a big fan of The Shield, which this is like not a spinoff of, not a shared universe, but used a lot of the same writers and cast because the creator, hmm. uh, I forget his name, is was from the production of The Shield. I suspect too, because I was a kind, I went through a big Justified phase, mm-hmm. and I suspect that's also shares some writing family there because I think a lot of the same flavors exist. Yeah, yeah, because it did seem sim- similar. Shared a lot of the same actors, but um, went on for, Jesus, like I think seven seasons is mm-hmm. finally getting a prequel spinoff. Maya's MC, I, mm. I looked it up. I don't remember what it... What it is, I, yeah. I I know a couple of my friends really like swore by the show, but it was just so fu- FX dramas can be so fucking ridiculous. Yes. And Nip Tuck burned me real oh, hard. Yes. I never watched <laughs> this. I never depend on anything this channel ever again. I don't know. It's the FX stuff is kind of hit or miss. I mean, mm-hmm. I watched some of American Horror Story that was good. A lot of it was terrible. Mm-hmm. The yeah. OJ thing was great. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, Feud apparently is amazing. Yeah, it's great. And I loved Feud so I hard, but of course, it. it was made only for me. So yeah. duh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And apparently, Pose is supposed to be amazing as well. And I just kind of need to get around to. Yeah, it. I got to catch up on that. Yeah. So FX has got definitely. I mean, Justified well, was great. I loved. No, Justified is really good. Yeah. Because FX was making incredible programming, and right. I also when I had the stat that it's the highest rated show, blah blah blah. It's because. How many years ago did they have the split on FX where they like banished its comedies to a new channel? It was without, like, not telling that anybody? long. I think it was like maybe 2014. Yeah, like Always Sunny in its 13th season. Yeah. Much more than Sons of Anarchy is not yeah. on the channel it debuted on. Louis is also not there despite, I'll remind you, not being canceled. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know I don't know what their theme is anymore other than playing bad movies I already own on DVD. Um, but Yeah. Well, and also uh, Ryan Murphy Ryan That's Murphy. their theme. <laughs> yes. Yep. Which I'm okay with. I'm cool with that. <laughs> so let me. Uh, my arm is killing me. <clears throat> let me get. Let me get into the Thank games you. of 2008. Uh, because I remember this from Diana's husband. Mercenaries mm-hmm. Two: World in Flames. If I say okay. this is a, a very odd product of Lucas Arts. Hmm. Lucas yeah, Arts, yeah. one of the most fascinating developers ever. George Lucas saying. Pretty boldly in the beginning, like, yeah, um, we're going to make video games, and none of them are going to be Star Wars or Indiana Jones. Just all new IP. And that shit won them fans for years. Oh. Sam and Max, Full Throttle, uh, Maniac Mansion, Day of the Tentacle, they kind of, they didn't lean on Lucas's own properties. They let other people make those. But they eventually started to have problems when they started to make mainstream, non-PC games. And Mercenaries is like an open world slash tongue-in-cheek war game. 
uh, where you're just open world. You can jump in tanks, steer, steal those, run through a village, just shoot it up. Uh, Mercenaries 2, I remember primarily because I was working with Diana's husband, uh, Mr. Michael Rapars Goodman. <laughs> at, the, at this time, there's the next-gen systems, 360, Xbox 360 and PS3, but PS2 was still outselling all of them. Hmm. So they had to make wow. a downgraded version of almost every game on the PS2 to like recoup their losses. And Michael was playing this thing. He has a video captured of it. Of like He's driving into a building and the building disappears. And then the building spawns <laughs> over his car. And that's the truck like tries to like birth itself through the building. It has this hilariously bad PS2 version. But this is one of the last big triple a valiant attempts from LucasArts before they kind of threw in the towel on original property lost the gambit on a big star wars game and disney kind of doesn't have any interest in having an in-house developer so Hmm. LucasArts is sort of gone at this point also on september 2nd rpg fans can enjoy infinite undiscovery uh what i hear is a very underrated rpg uh one of those as the Xbox struggled to find a foothold in Japan, it would buy up big-named exclusives that weren't totally popular in the West, but would hopefully get Japanese users to buy an Xbox. Infinite Undiscovery being one of those, and I believe you can finally play it now in a bunch of other systems. Uh, Blue Dragon, we talked about it a while ago, another Xbox exclusive uh, that they locked up. The, the big old RPG from the creator of... the Visually from the creator of Dragon Ball Z. You'd know it if you saw the cover. Trying to spread the love of that IP because it didn't totally... Uh, so it didn't totally recoup its losses. It gets a Nintendo DS game this week, as huh. does Viva Pinata Tr- Trouble in Paradise, which is also an Xbox owned property, allowing its property to like hopefully find a foothold on a competitor's platform. This huh. is very weird. Yeah. But then, of course, the biggest game of the week is the one I want to talk about the least because I did not like it at all. Mm. <laughs> uh, Will Wright. We, I think he's one of the few game makers people know by name. The, mm-hmm. People always throw around the Spielberg of video games, but the guy who created SimCity and The Sims, that's a big one. And this was supposed to be his next big thing. It had been teased for about four years at this point. Uh, it released its character creator ahead of the actual game because it was delayed so many times, but it was just a life creation sim that you create this living organism and see it evolve from a, like a cellular thing into a living organism with an ecosystem. It's just one of those things if you... You people listening remember something like No Man's Sky where they start procedurally generated, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, but you're supposed to design your own game, mm-hmm. not a program that then designs a game because then you make boring gameplay that has to match with whatever I make, which isn't always going to be the case. Refinement is a thing. <laughs> and Spore was this huge multi-platform launch that like the whole world was really excited about and like kind of the, the wind left the sails like right at launch. It, it reviewed... Fairly okay, because it was ambitious and it followed through on that ambition. But not like The Sims. You remember The Sims coming out and people are promising like a, an AI family, human beings mm-hmm. that act like human beings. This is Will Wright trying to take that to everything else. Mm. Uh, mm. To me, it didn't totally work. Even though I checked, the servers are still up to this day. You can still <laughs> upload creations and you can still access uh, content from the game on EA servers. They have not dismantled that as many other... I don't know of any other game servers that are still up for 10 years. Uh, but Spore is still there if you're playing it on PC. They tried to salvage the IP with Dark Spore and a couple other spinoffs, and it didn't totally work. But this was supposed to be the next big thing. This was supposed to bring gaming to its knees, and it mm-hmm. didn't totally pan out. But mm. if you were there, man, what a ride. <laughs> what a ride. And Will Wright would essentially leave EA slash Maxis, the company he started uh, to make SimCity, almost immediately after this. And we haven't really seen a game from him ever since. But hmm. 
Will Wright was huge. You got it. He's 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 solidified forever by he's a boss battle in the Simpsons game. You can, <laughs> you can fight Will Wright. But yeah, that's Spore Baby. And you know what? That's thirty twenty ten. I'd love to read a comment here, but we have moved that over to its own show, mm-hmm. uh, which we will give exclusively to patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. That show should be up next week. Uh, so look forward to that. And uh, we do thank you guys for your support. Uh, you can find out more at lasertimepodcast.com. This week's Laser Time, where we usually pick, instead of every topic, pick one topic, was all about celebrating the many faces of Sasha Baron Cohen uh, yeah. in honor of the end of Who is America, a series I keep, I didn't think I loved, but keep loving more and more the more I think about it and rewatch it. Same it's here. fucking great. It really grew on me. Fucking great. Uh, and uh, Video Game Apocalypse, the show hosted by Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Raparez, is also all new this week. And we have a new episode of Bonus Time where we get stupidly political, but that is exclusively <laughs> for patrons. You give us the price of a cup of coffee a month, we will give you over 100 movie commentaries, new ones all the time, an exclusive weekly ad-free and uncensored podcast that incorporates a ton of your feedback. We're trying to launch new shows on the network. Uh, we could really use your help at this point, uh, now more so than ever. I will say that if you like 302010, maybe this week, share us, tell a friend about it, share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter. Pinterest, I don't know, whatever you're using. Uh, uh, I'm clearly older than you are. Uh, but yeah, share us. We could definitely use the help in getting the word out. Uh, and we yeah. do appreciate that a lot. Di, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at LeCineNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D. I mostly uh, just movies and stuff. And at 302010podcast, where I tease what's coming up. And uh, as we start getting into the fall... We got this little sort of trough where things got kind of quiet, and then we're going to get some big movies coming Real up. Bad. So I like to tease there that people get prepped. All right. So, uh, let's close it out. As we close out every show with the deaths. Oh, my God. I did not deaths, know this. births, cycle of samsara. This is a really <laughs> bad week for deaths. Real. These just, every one of them is like a knife in my fucking heart. Every one of 19... these guys built things made great things for multiple decades. Mm-hmm. God yes. damn. 1998, we lost uh, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, Akira Kurosawa. He was 88. Wow. Um, if if Classic Corner wasn't so packed this week, uh, I would have just listed all whatever, like 27 of his films and told you to go see him. Uh, maybe I'll just do that next week. 2008, we lost Bill Melendez, who was the director of all those great Peanuts shorts and, and, and movies and stuff. the voice of Snoopy. Every time you hear him go, it's technically still that new oh. Peanuts movie they yeah. reused. It's Bill Melendez. Wow. He's yeah, a Bill dude. Melendez, he's 91. It, and if you go back and watch some of the Peanuts shorts or the, the Peanuts TV specials with an adult's eye for filmmaking, you realize, oh, he did some really avant-garde shit in there. Yeah, man. It's really cool. Like, I, I don't know, some of the art from even the most famous... I. Great Pumpkin is coming up. Like, that shit oh, yeah. is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It looks really good. And it's it's not the highest quality animation, but Bill Melendez is a fascinating story of being on the wrong side of a Disney strike mm-hmm. and kind of losing his job for standing with the workers. And then he ended up making it for himself by aligning himself with Charles Schultz, where they kind of independently produced these uh, beloved specials for years and years and years. Love Bill Melendez. God. And then, also in 2008, we lost Don LaFontaine, one of the best voice out voiceover guys of all mm-hmm. time. He was only sixty eight, which I that's can't crazy. So if, if you have ever said that something took place in a world, oh wow, you owe it yeah. to fucking Don LaFontaine. And I don't know if we want to play it or just point people to it, but there is like a two and a half minute mashup this guy did no on YouTube, shit. editing together LaFontaine uh, 
stuff or voiceover on on trailers and stuff that is so great. That's so cool. Wow. I would also point to the best use of him in a trailer. It's really funny. Jerry Seinfeld's uh, documentary comedian. Oh yes. Oh god yes. Is yeah, the actual yes. Don LaFontaine trying to read a trailer to make this movie sound interesting? Yeah. He, Jerry yeah. Seinfeld is not in the trailer. Only Don LaFontaine. It's kind of the best spotlight he ever got. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. But what a, and then what a, a renegade idea. cop. No, it's not no. Don. A renegade robot cop. No, Don, stop it. No. Caught in a game of cat and mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Don, could you get out of here? No, no. I like it here. <laughs> Well, I love that trailer. Well, with the with the deaths, we got to bring it back with the births. Birthday, birthday! It's the birthday quiz, Diana. Who was born this week? Sarah and I will try and guess. Yes. Okay, this one is weighted towards one of you. I apologize, but Uh-oh. had to do it because born September fourth, nineteen sixty eight. Happy fiftieth birthday to someone with three hundred and sixty five IMDb credits. Oh my lord! Yes. TV, video games, movies. Ooh, His characters cool include, and this is where I had the most fun. Oh boy. Sal, muscular street racer, <laughs> hip, hip joint janitor, Darth Ithead, underwater landlord, <laughs> Randy Munchnik, uh, Igner. I know he's a voice actor. I know I'm going to get Yancey this horse here. Senior. Wait a minute. Barbados Slim, <laughs> Elzar, King Zog, Jake the Dog. Uh, John DiMaggio. Bender. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was not even going to come I close know. to that. I'm sorry. What? I knew this was, was going to be it's how fine. long till Chris got it. I, <laughs> I skipped Big Rock Candy Monster, which I think was my favorite. I know, because I'm just like, those are Futurama characters. I know that. Uh, God damn yep, it. Everyone before King Zog was only Futurama. Yeah, wow. And, and I just wanted to be sure because I'm loving Mr. DiMaggio and Disenchantment. I really, really do like that show. I, I love him on Disenchantment. King Zog is fantastic. And another meta movie, uh, I Know That Voice is something he shepherded to like celebrate cartoon voice actors mm. where you get to meet the voices behind all the all your favorite cartoon characters. It's a movie. It was on Amazon Prime for a really long time. You should have seen it. Well, with that, with that win, I'm going to have to close this out. Uh, 302010 this week. Guess we're going to close out with the Sons of Anarchy theme, This Life by Curtis uh, Steigers and the Forest Rangers. Uh, we will be back next week, guys. Stay there. Bye. Right into this world All alone God takes your soul You're on your own The crow flies straight A perfect line On the devil's bed Until you die